Expounding Universe, Season 11, Episode 3, A Kip Off the Old Block. The book, Jedi Search, by Kevin J. Anderson. The year, the roaring 1940s. Chapter 6 through 8, Jeff and John hosting. Someday we'll get rid of them. Let's go! Hey everybody, welcome back to Expanded Expounded Universe, the one that's actually just Expounded Universe. Expanded Expounded Universe is the bonus content, and I'm Jeff, and that's John laughing at me in the background right now. Uh, everything's wonderful. I love everything about this. I have to write down everything and have it in front of me, or I'll just say something stupid. Yeah, no, you're basically that guy from Memento. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm pleased at that comparison. I'd much rather be a Guy Pierce than the other person who can't read shit off cue cards, Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, so, I appreciate, I appreciate the uh, the offer. Yes. I'll take it. Be uh, offered <laughs> my Guy Pierce. Even though I don't especially care for any Christopher Nolan movies, uh, I do much prefer that to the other op- alternative. Well, there you go. So how are you doing? I haven't seen you in a day and a half and three weeks. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I'm doing, uh, you know, better than I was the other day. I had some tummy rumblings, but I'm all right now. That's good. That's good. I'm glad to hear you're back on the force. Uh, I shouldn't <laughs> say that because that force. that would suggest that you're like a cop or something. That which... would suggest I'm some kind of bastard. <laughs> Politically inconvenient at the moment. <laughs> And probably yeah, into welcome the back to our podcast, Politically Inconvenient. Uh, we're comedians that uh, we're not here to hold your hand, okay? Uh, we tell uh, it like it is. Okay, uh, women, uh, uh, am I right, liberals? The liberal media. Hang on, I'm, I'm just turning it into Rush Limbaugh. You've got a much better, you're kind of doing a reverse come town thing. <laughs> Which normally, I have to pay like a hundred bucks for a reverse come town. <laughs> yeah, I go... I go downtown and I'm like, who's going to give me a reverse come town? I've got 20s. <laughs> Where's an ATM? I need me a reverse come town. Uh, <laughs> you know, it kind of so, sounded like you said rivers come town, which definitely the singer of <laughs> my Weezer cover band. Squeezer. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we are off of the rails. I don't think we started on the rails. This could be one of those episodes where people are like, I turned it off at minute three. <laughs> They're like, I could tell this was going nowhere. I'm good. Every once in a while, I'll see, I'll, I'll find some chat room talking about us or like old message board or something. And you'll see someone recommending us. And then a bunch of like, you know, generally grumpy forum regulars who are not akin to wanting to try a new thing at the moment. And they'll be like, oh, I guess I'll give this a listen. And then they get like really mad immediately. <laughs> Because they just picked a random episode. Oh, well, the worst is when you're like, oh, I've never heard of them and I hate things. I'll listen to an episode about one of my very favorite possible things. Hopefully they will have nothing negative to say. Oh, yeah, I know. That's that's how it always goes with the system mastery stuff where people will be like, oh, someone finally published a spoken word review of my favorite role playing game. Glowing, no doubt. <laughs> I like I think a spoken word review is going to be how I present our show from now on. That's a good way to do it. I mean, it is very difficult to explain the basic concept of the show to people who aren't familiar with a variety of things. Ah, yes. If if you aren't familiar with variety shows, you won't understand us. If you aren't <laughs> there for Sabado Gigante, then what are you even doing? Uh, yeah, I'm so into variety shows that I greatly appreciate the uh, very genre-specific parodies of them, like Viva Variety, <laughs> which had something to do with a mystery wrapped in an enigma. Something to do with that. Uh-huh. <laughs> do you think we should talk about Chapter 6 at all? I mean, at all. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm dying over here. Okay. <sighs> Uh, all I was saying was that when people, I, I love those those occasional reviews of people who listen to the first five minutes of any one of our episodes, and we're like, I have had sufficient listening to dismiss them out of hand for all time in Stanter. 
<laughs> I uh, I do not struck with this buffoonery. <laughs> I've had that happen so many times, and I'm always like, I love these complaints. Keep them up. And then they're always like, well, you're one of the creators. You've merely created an elaborate ruse to make me look bad. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, it took seven years, but by God, it paid off. Finally, you random forum user, we have finally gotten you. Mission accomplished. Hang the banner, boys. <laughs> We're shutting it down. That was all this was for. Hang the banner, boys. They're of no more use to us. <laughs> anyway, Leia's hanging out in her private communication chamber. I don't even know what that is. I mean, I assume it is just like whatever her communication TV is that she uses in her palatial estate. Yeah, we, so we're saying that her room, ba her house has a telephone parlor, like some 1960s bullshit. Oh, well, I mean, for sure, because every call in Star Wars is like a video call, so you have to have an area where you can, like, sit in front of it and hang out. It's not like you can just wander around your house with a cell phone or anything. Oh, no, that's for sexy time, isn't it? That's why you can't just have it in the goddamn living room. <laughs> you need to, you need to have a special room for where Leia deals with Han showing her his dick from across the stars. <laughs> Which is going to be our next book, The Dick Across the Stars. <laughs> All right, I'll call the Adams Media people and pitch it. <laughs> oh, you mean the next Star Wars book? I thought it was That is just what I mean. Book. Yes. <laughs> no, it's just the next book that we write, The Dick Across the Stars. No, I was thinking more like Han Solo and The Dick Across the Stars. See, I was thinking more something like the fault in the dick across the stars. <laughs> the fault in our dick across <laughs> the, the <fault>. stars. <laughs> it has dick cancer. <sighs> That's just spoiler alert for the movie. Uh, yeah, so she's hanging out in her pipe. I managed to review one sentence of this, of this chapter. <laughs> I gotta say, fucking, it just is unrelenting in the... Like, I have no sympathy for Bougie Leia in this, because it spends, like, the entirety of this beginning part just describing how Leia's like, oh, God, I have to be awake to talk to an ambassador? Uh, he's late by three whole minutes? Uh, my also, life is so hard. She's been aggressively grumpy and passive-aggressively grumpy at that that Han hasn't called yet, and... I gotta say, Leia, at a certain point, you gotta get over it and call him. Oh, yeah. She's like, like I refuse to be worried about him. If <laughs> he needs to call me, and if something was wrong, then he should call me, instead of me ever trying to do anything. Lord knows he doesn't have a history of going on adventures that go sideways immediately. I don't know why anyone would think that might have happened. <laughs> He's just going to a dangerous, barely charted part of space controlled by aggressive mercenaries. He's just being a man right now. Oh, he's just off on one of his adventures where he doesn't contact for several days when he's on a diplomatic mission. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, he's out there as part of a governmental process. How come... Even if she's going to be stubborn about it and be like, it's his job to call me, then at least the, he, the fact that he's out there as a governmental agent means that there's got to be at least a few more people keeping tabs on him. Yeah, there's got to be someone who's like his ambassadorial handler who's at least going to make a call and be like, hey, so you haven't checked in for like four days. Have you made contact with anyone? God, imagine that guy, that fucking guy's poor life and job where, where he's got to be like, Okay, Han, please, for the love of God, take a shuttlecraft this time. We have this whole ambassador. Nope, gonna take the Falcon. Uh, very good, sir. The, but the Falcon looks like a weapon. I mean, the whole it's like a modified fighter freighter. It's exceedingly dangerous. It does not convey a good look when just you and a Wookiee show up at places. <laughs> Don't care, taking the Falcon, reliving my youth again. I need to have seven midlife crises this year. Oh, uh, God. Also, can I just say, Leia begins to blame everything on the Ambassador? Like, the oh, transmission yeah. that he has is of poor quality, and she's like, he's doing it on purpose. It's like, if I got a call from someone, 
and the connection was bad, I'm not blaming the person calling me. I'm blaming like AT&T or some shit. And it's interesting because there's a way to present that that wouldn't make Leia look all bougie, which is just if she was like discussing it in a slightly more neutral tone. If she she was like, it looks like he might have reduced the quality on his own. Ambassadors will often do that to make communication more complicated to try and take offense to things. Also, he called six minutes past his appointed time. Ambassadors will also occasionally try to do that as sort of a power play. But instead, she's like. His call's all grainy. I don't like it. And he called late. I want to sleep. <laughs> but for me, I'm like, it's one thing if you're like, oh, wow, he was like 15, half hour late. But if someone calls six minutes after they said they would call, the the dude you are talking to is like the ambassador of a place. You are already complaining about how you're so busy and you never have any time Maybe the dude got caught up for six minutes. <laughs> yeah, maybe he got lost in what I assume is his palatial mansion full of phone call rooms and cleaning <laughs> droids being described at regular intervals. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Anyway, this is, uh, what was his name? Fergan? Yeah. Ambassador Fergan of Carida. Uh, yeah, Carida's is- the... A staunchly pro-Empire planet, even while the Empire is gone. Yes, and that's because the Empire more or less raised them out of nothing. Carida, or I've always said Carida, but whatever. Carida is where um, the military academies of the Empire were located, and they also had a lot of, like, drive yards and and, uh, manufactories and so on there. So all of the Caridan, or Caridan people... Uh, were uplifted significantly by Imperial involvement, mostly because they were willing to get in bed with them. Yeah, which, I mean, the book points out it is weird because uh, the Keratins themselves are non-human. Like, they are, you know, bipedal, and they look vaguely human-ish. Sure, I mean, yeah, they look... I mean, I don't want to say anything in case it's either of our bonus contents, but they are ridiculous looking. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I mean, they basically get said that they are, like, very bird-like. Yeah, yeah. The art does not bear that out. But but no. um, but apparently they're supposed to be, and yeah, they're supposed to be, like, spindly bird people. This is a, a species, by the way, that was wiped out not just by what happens to, famously happens to Karita in the uh, Expanded Universe stuff, but also by the washover to canon uh, because Carida uh, now is is a human planet with no aliens on it. Oh, great! Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Any hoozles? Uh, he's immediately grumpy because he doesn't want to talk to the Alliance. He's staunchly pro Empire. Yeah, he's like, I'm just coming over here so I can pay my respects to Emperor Palpatine. He's making like a pilgrimage to the home of the Emperor for. Some reason, I guess, which is weird. You'd think you'd make a pilgrimage to something that was important to the Empire and not, like, his house. <laughs> but I mean, whatever. I, I, I guess it was the seat of their governmental power and authority, so I, that's some. It'd be like visiting the White House. I guess. As opposed, as opposed to visiting a gaudy-ass mansion in Jacksonville. <laughs> gaudy-ass mansion. <laughs> um, so... So Fergan, yeah, he's like, I'm not even really coming for an imperial or for a visit. I'm just coming to visit the the home of the emperor. And and anything you have to discuss with me should be brief and, and uh, best left be- beside, because I don't care about your offer. Yeah. And, you know, she's like, look, fucking the empire is gone. You need to actually uh, adapt to the political reality. He's like, oh, well, reality changes, so... We'll see how long the rebellion will last. I'm like, the re- it's not a rebellion anymore. They are in charge. That's <laughs> it. La- it lasted about 24 years, buddy. Uh, yeah. And then it stopped. <laughs> now it's a republic because they're in charge and you can't be a rebellion against something you are in charge of. Yeah. Now we just need to convince rich kids who listen to way too much punk that. <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, he he calls her a princess, which she takes immediate offense to. Yeah, it's like, look, I'm a minister, okay? The Empire blew up the planet I was a princess of. 
And he's like, yeah, great, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, and again, it really needs a point where she acknowledges that his dismissal that she she has to be like, look, this guy's actually kind of a canny negotiator. He called me princess with full knowledge that I'm not really a princess anymore, and he did it to rile me up, and I let it work. Huh. But I guess the idea here is supposed to be that we that we aren't that much in her head because maybe she doesn't know that. That's my main issue with a lot of the Leia diplomacy stuff is. We're supposed to be like, oh, yeah, Leia, like the reason she does this, even if she hates it, like if she complains about it, she has this job because she's good at it. And we just don't see that very much. We mostly just see her bitch and complain and then go off on an adventure. Yeah, she complains a bunch and then she wallows in luxury. And and that seems to be kind of her two modes in most of these books. Every once in a while, they let her have a cool adventure. But I feel like what happened is that the authors were like, wait, she's the mother of three. Well, we better slow things down. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Anyway, I do like this page. Uh, I, John, did you know I'm reading this book on Kindle as opposed to having a real copy because I couldn't get two? Yes, I do. Uh, well, one thing this. I learned is that I, I can highlight stuff and then just look at a list of my highlights. Oh, good. And, and my favorite thing in this whole chapter was the part where Leia's dark eyes burned with obsidian fires. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my heart burns there, too. That was right before Ad- Adalberto, the pirate, swept her off her feet. <laughs> anyway, uh... <laughs> Uh, the uh, the whole discussion ends badly. She gets off the phone with him. He's not interested in a reception that they had planned for him, and that's the end of that. Yes. Meanwhile, R2-D2 and C-3PO are still hard at work in their their data room. Yep. Uh, you know, not a whole lot going on here. R2 eventually finds something of interest and is like, <laughs> we hey, get- <laughs> check this shit out. Yeah, we don't get to know what it is, uh, because we have to save that to make the next part of this chapter interesting. So instead, it's just R- R2 is like, beebity boop, motherfucks, and C-3PO, who is busy yelling at droids, because I think he's just a robot, Leia, uh, what is like, oh, let me see. Oh, my, that's far too important for me to say anything about it out loud while talking to you. We'll save that for the next subparagraph. <laughs> and We're that going to have us- to have a couple lines of break before telling Princess Leia. <laughs> and then we cut to Princess Leia eating breakfast. Yes. Oh, uh, a hovering breakfast tray full of an assortment of treats and delicious delights shows up. But, oh, she's scowling at it because she doesn't like food anymore. I love this part. First, we have to get a long, lavish description of where she is. She's up on some imperial balcony. Uh, in the Imperial Sector of Coruscant. Wearing uh, a <laughs> straight-up, like, I assume, one of those incredibly fur-lined sleeves and bottom robes that are all yeah, gauzy. Probably. Like, she yeah. ju- she's about to tell the police about her late husband. Exactly. It's too early in the morning for her to be wearing too thick and luxurious of a white turtleneck, so that's our next best option. Uh, yeah, she's she's <laughs> gone full Sunset Boulevard at this point. <laughs> Anyway, a a floating robo tray comes up with a bunch of breakfast and she's like, eh, none of these. Eh. And then she picks one. It's just a tray of pastries. And then she gets mad with the droid leaves because the, the, the tray's like, have a nice day. Beep boop. And she's, she's like, like Ugh. Ugh. how dare someone tell me to have a nice day? Stupid Internet of things. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we have. All of this stuff about it. she's like, uh, I hate that I like Han and I like having him around. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I really want Han back because pretty soon the two year olds are going to be coming in and we need to li- go through that together. We want to welcome them together and see how much that changes our lives. And and but still to this point, she's still like, and why won't he call me? <laughs> uh. I'm like, I'm like, lady, you're not waiting on your second date. You're. <laughs> He's your husband of, of, I think, six years. Yeah, you've got three kids with him. You can go ahead and pick up the phone. Like, it's <laughs> not going to hurt things. Uh, anyway, someone, uh, another droid, rather, comes bumbling in. 
uh, to be like, Madam, you have a visitor. And she's like, oh, for God's sake. Uh, fine. Oh, I and have to put down a pastry for this. <laughs> and the visitor is Lando. Yay. Lando shows you, up. I got to tell you, I Janderson here does know the right way to write Lando, which is all cape description. Yes. He, he's leaning into the into the meme 20 years before it ever came into existence. <laughs> Very nice for- vermilion cape. Which he, every time Lando does anything in this whole chapter, he starts by doing something with his cape. <laughs> he's got a lot of with a flick or a flourish of his cape. Oh, hell yeah. He, when I he mean, goes to it. sit down, he's sweeping his cape over his back. Like, it's a lot of cape stuff. Yeah, he has a lot of cape business, and you know what? That's because Lando has a lot of cape business. It's true. Sword writing cape business. I'm surprised he hasn't opened a cape business. I just... He could probably... Go ahead. No, I was just going to go into the next bit of this where he was talking to Leia. I didn't mean to step on your bit or anything. No, it's okay. I know I step on your bits all the time. I'm trying. Yeah, well, normally I have to pay for people to step on my bits. Hey! Yeah, when I want people to step on my bits, that's when I head to Cape Business. That's the cheating part of town. Okay, I got my bit in in a different way, and I'm good. What were you going to say, though? So, Lando, you know, he's like, hey, I just, you know, came by to see how you and Han were doing. And mm-hmm. she lets him know that Han and Chewie went off to Kessel. And she's like, oh, but I haven't heard from him in a while. And he's like, you know, Kessel's actually a really fucked up, like tough place to be in and she's like yeah he hasn't called in six days that's not like him and leia's like yeah sure it is no <laughs> yeah no, lando leia. is immediately worried <laughs> lando has more concern for your husband than you do i mean i think we've all known that for quite a long time yeah but even lando's got a lot of love to give and a lot of capes to swish <laughs> <laughs> he, he's got love for everybody but yeah he's immediately sussed out the situation he's like look i'm a mining administrator kessel's a mine it's in my my purview i know a lot about it i keep up to tabs on it as much as i can uh it's a very it's a very dangerous bad place and it's not like han to not check in when he goes to dangerous places and she's just responsible with like oh yes it is and you know it yeah and he's like no i i specifically know that that isn't like maybe maybe a day or two could go by and you could you could maybe say like oh you know a day or two because he has to get established and maybe he got drunk or something but six days on a planet that is ooh, real dangerous not you even really a planet <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah bad things are brewing uh but that's that's not working for her current mental state which is more or less predicated on being mad it's just she's just like yeah let's not talk about that and you're like wow okay great Mm -hmm. i hope you feel guilty (laughs) as hell when you find out he's down in the spice mines yep as soon as she gets mad enough at him that's when she notices his outfit looks shitty now yeah i love how i love you're scruffy (laughs) yeah and i love why like the uh lando in the thrawn books had a business that was based around an old piece of a shield ship being carried around a molten hot planet by like dozens of AT-ATs and it was like mining the part of the planet while staying in the on the cool side yeah yeah because you know the other side of the planet was where they kept the hot side hot yeah and then this is where you keep the cool side cool <laughs> mm-hmm. the mcdlt planet i believe it was called <laughs> yeah that's a joke that's older than several of our listeners ah <laughs> <sighs> uh Anyway, he apparently has lost it in a card game, which is stupid. Uh, And somehow, Lando, who's routinely buying and selling giant uh, operations and so on, upon losing this one, becomes a scruffy hobo down on his luck. (laughs) I mean, I like to think that it's she notices that the like cape is a little ragged around the edge and the mm-hmm. colors have faded a little bit. And she's like, oh, wait a minute. You don't look 100% fabulous. You look almost normal person fabulous. <laughs> I prefer to think of it my way, where, where 
it's been about three days since he lost his mining operation. He still has his bank account and everything. But no, he's got hobo shoes on and one of those top hats that's opened like a can. Leia, you gotta help me. I had to turn one of my capes into a bindle. <laughs> he's got one of his capes on his stick. I like what's wrapped what's wrapped up in that thing? Sabak games, I don't know. <laughs> I've got a <laughs> I've got a pure Viridian silk cape holding up. I don't know, probably a bunch of Sabat cards. <laughs> it's a bunch of Sabat cards and Lobot. He's in there too. <laughs> Just pokes his head out. Hello. Hello. I rarely talk. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, anyway, it turns out that, yeah, he has lost his entire Nicklon mining operation in a card game. And, and rather than being like, hey, I should probably continue being a businessman. He's shown up at Leia's house because he's bored. <laughs> he just wants her to give him something to do. He's like, like hey, hey, you got I... a job for a guy? Or I mean, like, he legitimately basically shows up in this and is like, hey, can I be in this book? I'm not in a lot of these books. <laughs> and she's like, I guess you can have a subplot where you do something stupid. And, you know, so we know what that subplot is. R2 and 3PO show up. Yeah, R2 and 3PO come bustling in because they've got that that lookup thing they had from the previous sub-chapter. God, we got to go faster. We're still in the first of three chapters here. Oh, yeah. And and they, they set him up with a job to check out a guy named Timo. Yeah, Timo, uh, if you look at his gambling record, his win-loss ratio is normal. But he always wins when it's important. So he'll lose, you know, a lot of the time, but it's only on little things. But he always wins big. Mm, so sound- they're like, ooh, that seems not likely. And then Lando's like, I don't know. That sounds perfectly normal to me. Both Han and I always win every Sabak game we've ever played. <laughs> the only time we've ever lost in gambling is when it didn't matter. So this seems perfectly normal for the universe. Yeah, we lo- we lose the large property things we own off-screen, and that's the only time we ever lose card games. I assume this guy's just losing when he's off-screen. <laughs> well, yeah, he hasn't been on-screen yet. <laughs> so his particular vice of gambling choice is Umgolian Blob Racing, which I at this point Lando more or less just takes the assignment. He's going to go investigate Timo of the Umgolian Blob Race cheating. Well, that's just because he thought they said Slumgullion, and he was like, ooh, a rich stew? stew. (laughs) I'm a hobo. I want stew. (laughs) That's right. For all of you out there who know what a Slumgullion is, that joke's for you. I think it's just me and you. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. Slumgullion is the only word I ever came across in Balderdash where I knew what it was already, and I didn't know how to react to that. <laughs> it's always I great when that happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I had found it in some books at some point, and it was like, like everything in this building is sloshing around like a slumgullion. And so for a while, I just thought it meant a place where a lot of things are sloshing around. <laughs> but then one ah. day I looked it up. Uh, anyway. Yes. That's the end of that like, chapter. He's going to go investigate... Some dude that's gambling because Leia's like, well, you know about gambling and I can't be arsed to leave my house. So sure. (laughs) Blobs. Ew. (laughs) That's disgusting. I hate aliens and everything. (laughs) The only thing I hate more than everything is having to have children. (laughs) Uh, We don't even know if he says yes, but he definitely says yes. Meanwhile, we get to find out this is we go to chapter seven and the first part of it is just the make sure everyone knows that Morith Duel is a really, really bad, bad guy. Oh, yeah. No, they're like, hey, uh, in case you didn't know, Morith Duel is ooh, just a real huge piece of shit. Yeah, he's going to be extra double evil here and also super gross. Yeah. So we have to see him stick his head inside of a insect cage so he can just spear insects with his tongue right which of course is written as like the uh as disgusting as they can make it as if like ew who would possibly eat this disgusting thing full of bugs and it's like i don't know a frog man i 
Yeah, I feel probably. like I'm, <laughs> am I a little more worldly than the author of this book thought I would be? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not grossed out by the fact that a frog is eating bugs. Like that's just sort of a, that's a thing, my man. <laughs> but we do have to make it gross. And we, we borrow a trick from planet of twilight to do so, uh, which is that the bugs taste better if you scare them first. Yeah, you got to shake up that box full of bugs so that they freak out. Yeah, which apparently is a running thing in Star Wars, because when we make our way to Planet of Twilight, that Kubas chef was always scaring the shit out of all of his sand fleas or whatever to make them extra delicious. Yeah, because for some reason, I guess adrenaline flavors the meat, which is a thing that people talk about a lot for some reason. You can really taste the fear, which is also the slogan of my new brand of Poison Mountain Dew. <laughs> uh, anyway, he's, we get a whole inner monologue from him where he's considering uh, why he's in charge of Kessel now. And we it's basically that he was running a double grift. He would set up little smuggler operations to mine spice on the planet. And then when they weren't profitable to him anymore, he'd turn them into the Empire. Yeah. So he'd be like, all right. I'm going to go ahead and give you the codes to get in here. I'll let you mine a certain part of the planet where no one currently is. And as soon as the spice runs low, he's like, all right, now I'll go ahead and get the reward from the Empire for being like, oh, I have found these no-gooders. They are digging into your spice. Uh, <laughs> reward, please. Yeah. And then when the uprisings all happened, he happened to have so many guards in place who were primarily there to kill off people who could finger him uh, in crimes, in, in crimes, only in crimes. He would not kill off the other kind of people who could finger him. Uh, and, and so he just had all of his, like, trained assassin guards help him take over. Yeah. And, of course, we have to find that he's like, oh, and the old warden, well, I made him work in the mines, and then when he was broken, I put spice grubs in his flesh and then froze him in carbonite. I'm an asshole. That's me, more of the duel. Now to go see my sex slaves. This whole subchapter could have been replaced with just an aunt, like literally this. Author's note: Morith Duel is the villain who will die in this book. A bigger villain will be reserved for the rest of the trilogy. <laughs> yeah, Morith Duel. God, but just being like, hey, uh, here's a uh, three pages where I'm going to recount the reasons I'm the worst. Yeah, no, this is messed up. Now, this isn't the only thing that he does that messed up. I think, John, you just mentioned it. Yep. Uh, yeah. He was he's so got... lonely on the planet, but now he's so rich and powerful that he has imported sex slaves from his home planet. And, oh, he's just spoiled for choice now and the only thing that gives him a boner is remembering how evil he is john can i pitch something to you that makes me sad that i like star wars and uh, it's just a theory it's just a theory i have uh-huh do you think that when we did our bonus content the other week by the way two dollar level at the patreon system mastery or patreon.com system blah 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 you did the ribbit species Mm -hmm. And one of the key features of the ribbit species is that the males and females hate each other. Yes, that is one do, of the key features of them. Do you think that that idea was taken from the fact that Morith Duel's sex slaves hate him? Uh, no, probably not. I yeah, assume uh, I, that was I, taken I, from a th another thing. I sure hope not. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, and he heads down to wander around his sex slave house. Yes. And it, it literally is because he gets aroused remembering torturing someone. So he is just the worst. Oh, that's right. He gets himself a little torture boner and he's like, well, shame to waste this thing. I'm going to go down and rape some unwilling prisoner of mine. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, this I, is a mess. Can I just ask you a thing? Why is Please. fucking slavery so huge in the star wars universe like it is rife just there's no surprise that any given planet would have slaves it's sort of expected that basically everyone does yeah no it's true we have i, I feel like it's rare that we come across a book that doesn't eventually have slaves in it yeah it's and i, I wonder <laughs> I wonder if it's not because that's a uh, a cheap 
way to, to build an easy story. If you're just like, hey, there's slaves on this planet. Oh, good. We'll liberate them. That's a classic story that everyone likes. Uh, and we could just do it over and over again because every planet can have slaves. Except that's never the story. It's always just like, ah, oh, there's a villain and we're going to show that he's evil because he has slaves. Except everyone has slaves. We keep mentioning how, like, basically every planet out there has slaves and the story isn't then we liberate them. It's also we have a cool adventure and we just mentioned this planet has slaves. That is a big part of the problem. You're absolutely right. Like, it's rare that there's an ep or a book that we've come across that's about Luke finding his way to some planet and being like, wait, there's slaves here? Okay, well, I will dedicate my Jedi stuff to that. Usually yeah. he's just like, he's just like, oh, there's slaves here? Good, because I wanted coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we. I think there have been a couple times in some books where they've mentioned like, oh, the New Republic is trying to get rid of it. And that's it. No, like... Yeah. They have an initiative in place, just that they're like, man, it'd be nice if that didn't happen. Eh, anyway. Well, I mean, notably, Han had to be fully aware that Kessel was driven by slave labor before he, number one, because he took jobs here previously. Yes. He he knew. And, and when they sent him out here, they were like, all right, Han, you go open up diplomatic negotiations with Kessel. We're going to send the two of you. And by the way, no part of your dossier is, hey, you guys are welcome into the New Republic if you pay your slaves. <laughs> There's no, there, that's not even mentioned. So it, it, I feel like the New Republic just doesn't care. No, it's, it's honestly just, I, I don't know why it is getting to me right now, having read through this, but I was just like, God, why is it that like every single book we have read has something about planets full of slaves and it's never the same planet? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well. Speaking of Han, he's on a fun roller coaster ride. Uh, he takes a couple of them in this sub or this chapter. Yeah, he's gonna go on down to the spice mines. He's gonna have himself a time. Yeah, this is uh, this whole section here is pretty much just Janderson pitching uh, Disneyland rides well before Disney owned Star Wars. Yeah. So first, he's in an enclosed hover car with Skink's next driving and also pointing a gun at Han and Chewie to keep them busy. And also, they're strapped into shocky control collars that will knock them unconscious if they try to move around too much. And we get our second mention of how Chewbacca can't deal with these collar things and keeps shocking himself unconscious over and over again. I mean, I'm going to say this. The, the whole time that Skink Snacks is with them, like, he's traveling with them on this, and then he takes them down to the mining area and everything. He never takes his gun off of them. He is constantly, like, if they even move a little bit, he's like, hey. And I gotta respect that he is probably one of the only people we've seen actually give Han and Chewie their due. He's like, no, you guys are fucking dangerous. You're the protagonists. I'm not gonna go ahead and get all, like, gloaty Smug. and, like, monologue at you. <laughs> And now I shall explain our villainous plan while you helplessly watch from an easily escaped jail cell. Oh, yeah. He's not like, I will clasp my hands behind my back and turn away from you as I discuss your death. You're like, no. <laughs> he is like, yeah, no, I understand. You've lived this long being a super badass that gets out of tight spaces. So I'm going to make sure you don't try to kill me. Mm hmm. And he gives them a quick drive over Kessel as they make their way out to whatever mine they're planning to bury Han in. Uh, Han, of course, is being resistant and and uh, mean to Skink Snacks as often as he can get away with it. Uh, and eventually they get to the mine and we learn a new thing about Kessel. They turned most of the air factories off or down so that it's actually dangerous to not to, or to be out on the surface of the planet now. Yeah, because when they kick him out and take him down into the mines, they don't give him a breather. So him and Chewie are basically passing out. Like, they are literally dying from lack of oxygen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, which Skinks Next is just like, oh, good, it's an extra chance for me to torture these guys. I really want to. Yeah, and also, this will make them weak so that while we're going down, they can't try anything. And also, this makes it so no one can escape the mines. Overall, this is a very smart decision. Yeah. You know, for a slaver I mean, to make. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, at least I was like, oh yeah, it kind of doesn't make sense to have a whole bunch of factories farting out oxygen if everyone either works in a mine where you would have to pump, you know, air down into anyway, or you just wear a breather while you're outside. Like, yeah, that's a waste of time and resources. Right. Honestly, they could probably replace the whole thing with a couple of domed spaceports and cities and then just keep everybody underground. Yeah. I guess whoever set the place up in the first place thought, okay, we're also going to colonize it, so it needs air, and we're going to terraform and plant crops and shit. But that never actually got a chance to happen. Yeah. I guess. Okay. They get thrown into a prison. They get introduced to a sub-sub boss, because Skinksnex is already, like, the mid-round boss of this section. Uh, who And he's still getting described as, like, having a crazy way of walking and being, like, a terrifying scarecrow thing. And it never says he's human, but he is. I'm just so disappointed by that. Uh, God damn you, Skinksnex. Well, I wanted we you to be a weird monster. I know, right? Some kind of creepy, skinny thing? That would have been so cool. But no. We get to see a bunch of haggard, pale workers who have been trapped underground forever. And then we get met, uh, we get to meet, God, I can't remember his name off the Boss top of my head. Roke. Thank you, Roke. Yeah. Boss Roke is an ugly, pluggy, muscle lumpus who's the, the local head in charge, like, slave whipper. Yeah, he's the one who is in charge of this mining area, and uh, boy howdy, he's like, you need to give me more people. These two aren't enough to cover all the guys we've been losing. <laughs> Plot. Oh, <the laughs> yeah, yeah, we've had that mention happen already as well, but we're getting yet more foreshadowing that something is happening in the mines. Mm -hmm. uh, we go on through this for quite a bit of time. Uh, Han gets fitted for a spacesuit, uh, or for a mining suit, excuse me. Uh, Chewbacca gets one as well, but the only one that fit him also had a third arm, so he's just got a useless third arm flappy doodle. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Clutching an apple at the end of it. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then he gets loaded into the very next shift that's being sent out uh, with like a menacing on the job training from Boss Rogue. Yeah. And then they get into a mine car and go on straight up Space Mountain with the lights turned off. <laughs> yep. It's like, oh, they get a new floaty mine cart and it goes whizzing and spinning at high speeds and it takes like hard turns and it's basically just a roller coaster with the lights out and like cool fun yeah now we do get han's initial fear here at being plunged into absolute immediate darkness uh and it takes him a couple of minutes of the ride before he's like oh right spice is photoactive so you can't mine it with the lights on yeah He's like, why didn't they just at least put a couple of string lights here or something? Oh, shit, that's right, because they can't. Yeah, so he's going to be mining completely blind. Now, don't worry about the guards. They have IR goggles on. Yes, indeed. And just as it seems like, oh, man, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. One of the other prisoners uh, that is on these mining carts begins basically making his way down the various hover carts to where they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because Han and Chewie have been assigned to positions 18 and 19, and pr prisoner 14 comes over and sits next to them, and he is told to get back where he's supposed to be by a guard, and he responds with a Jedi mind trick. Yeah, I don't know if they were trying to hide that he is Force user, because the fact that the first thing that he ever does is, hey, go sit down. This is my new seat. That's your new seat. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Great. that's just classic Star Wars shenanigans. So we know, we're supposed to know right away that this kid got Jedi powers. But we have to keep in, in check that Han wasn't there for that scene in New Hope. So maybe he's never seen a Jedi do that. And he just thinks something crazy just happened. Yeah, he's never been around when Luke has done that. So it's fine. That's true. Yeah, if you go back and read the previous 14 books in the series before this one, <laughs> you'll see that he has been carefully kept away from Luke whenever he uses the mind trick. I mean, he doesn't in any of the movies, for sure. 
Yeah, because Luke doesn't do it anywhere but in the Expanded Universe books. No, he does it at Jabba's Palace. But, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back but, when he was briefly you know. flirting with the dark side and wearing black clothing and listening to the dead Kennedys. <laughs> that's what they uh, added in the special edition of Return of the Jedi. It was just a scene where he listens to an entire dead Kennedy song. <laughs> I thought you were going to say album. Like, start to finish, just that that's <laughs> what was cut out. He listens to an entire Dead Kennedys album while he's sitting around in the Falcon. Does and nothing he... but, like, nod his head. Yeah. And at the end, Leia comes in and she's like, what was that? And he was like, you do not besmirch the name of Jello Biafra. <laughs> and then they cut to the, I don't know, part where where the dancers are dancing. The end. Yay. So it turns and, out, anyway, <laughs> number 14 has a name. And that name is Kip Duran. Oh, shit. Here it is, the introduction of Kip Duran, uh, eventual biggest mass murderer in the galaxy? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna kill a whole lot of assholes, basically. But still, not nice. No, you know, they're assholes, but you also blew up an entire, like, solar system. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely outdoes the Death Star immediately. Yeah, good job, Kip. You did it. Oh, and then when that happens, Luke spends an inordinate amount of time and resources trying to convert him back instead of just, you know, throwing him down a mine shaft like you should do to dark Sith types. And then when the New Republic's like, yeah, but we got to punish him because, you know, he killed like 11 billion people. Luke's just like, no, I'm a Jedi, so, you know. Nah. I got no. this. Instead, let's give him an X-Wing squadron. How about that, huh? Look. Yeah, you're going to do that because I'm fucking Luke Skywalker. <sighs> you know who else is fucking Luke Skywalker? Kip Duran. <laughs> That's the rumor anyway. So, yes, Kip Duran then lets them know that he has basically been in this mine for years. Uh, his parents were sent here. He was, I guess, probably born here or some shit. Yeah, yeah. He's not specifically from here, but he's been here long enough that he doesn't remember much about the outside world. Uh, they were brought here to work, but the idea was that eventually uh, him and his brother would be plucked from this place and sent for forced training at the Imperial Military Academy on Karada. And uh, they just sort of forgot about him when the uh, revolt happened. And uh -huh. normally and they, were, they were like, oh yeah, they pretty much took everyone and swapped places so that the guards were mining and the miners were in charge. Except I guess they forgot about me because they didn't give a shit, so whatever. Yep. Uh, and they did get his brother. So he had a brother who's been, who's been as far as he knows, out on Carrot uh, this whole time. Some kid named Zeth. Yes, Zeth Duran. Zeth Duran is the newest op opponent of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> uh, okay. So that's our introduction to Kip Duran. He's really curious about what's been going on in the outside world, but he's also just sort of like the coach of the mines. He's he's here to tell Han how to do everything. Yeah, he pretty much just sort of like trades information for what's been going out there to be like, oh, hey, while you're going through this weird lake, you're going to feel a bunch of like prodding tentacle fingers at your legs. Don't freak out. That just makes them prod you more. Yeah, you and, see, if you uh, freak out, your meat gets more delicious. <laughs> you see, if you're afraid. <laughs> Universally understood in Star Wars. Slavery is is cool and everyone's down with it. Uh, and if you're scared, your meat tastes better. <laughs> yep, that's why. Nope, not doing that joke. Okay. <laughs> I know that joke. I knew, I knew where you're going. It's okay. I'll have a little quiet laugh on my own for the joke that didn't get done. Yep. We'll just we'll let the audience fill in the blank. Uh, It'll make their meat more delicious. <laughs> uh, so it turns out the way that they actually do the mining here is the uh, the boss in charge who will take, you know, their group, because it's not like everyone goes in the same. They all go off to their own separate little areas. And the one in charge of this group, will take them to a place. He sets a little uh, sonic generator thing that will just shear off part of the wall, and then they will blindly search through the rubble to find the 
strands of spice that is in there because it will feel different from the rock. Yeah, it feels soft and fuzzy and filamentous. It's uh, it's effectively uh, like silk or or webbing. So they're they're finding that and putting it into baskets as collection for uh, for the day. And this is basically the rest of this description. It goes on for a while until at the near the end of their work shift, they are suddenly accosted by uh, a group of flying lights. Yes, uh, turns out Pennywise is down here, and the dead lights go flying past them. <laughs> And then they're just like, you suck, you deadlights. You're lame and stupid. And yeah. Like, no, oh, no. My weakness, bullying. <laughs> uh, and uh, anyway, the lights go flying and looping around all over the place. Everyone presses themselves against the wall so they don't get touched by them. And they just go flipping around all, all twisty-like. And then eventually they dive directly into a wall and disappear. Yep. And Han's like, what the fuck was that? And Kip's like, nobody knows. I've seen that uh, a few times. Like, that's the 15th one I've seen ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just call them bogeys. Uh, they've never hurt anybody. But, uh, you know, who you know, knows? Lo- Something's grabbing people. Yeah, a lot of people are disappearing. So it would make sense to think that it's these things because they're the only alive things we see down here. Yeah. Or maybe I'm- alive. No one's sure. Yeah, he's like, that's the only other thing that has really proven to be alive down here besides i guess the weird little grubby bits in the lake yeah yeah strange how they keep saying it's lifeless but something's killing everybody and they don't mention the little grubs yeah they're like hey you have an entire weird like poke fish economy going on here yeah what do they eat when they can't get minor legs i guess major legs (laughs) oh Oh, hang on. I need to go change my Sentinels character. <laughs> Major legs? People are going to think he's a stilt man ripoff, but he's not. Don't worry about it. He's just got, got legs, legs for days. <laughs> That's his sidekick. His legs go all the way up. <laughs> and that's, of course, his mission statement. Yeah. My legs are going to go all the way up. Your ass. <laughs> my legs go all the way up to justice. <laughs> justice of course is fairly high up uh yeah okay uh so that the this spooks everybody and also it ruins all the spice in the room obviously because it's photoactive and so the guard leader's like hey that's enough for the day let's all go home yeah that kind of freaked me out anyway let's get out of here and when they do finally get back Han, once he's in a place that actually has light finds out oh my goodness kip duran you're just a child yeah, he's apparently about 15 or 16 at this point. Yeah, so he's like, oh man, that sucks a whole lot of ass. I can't believe they would use a 15-year-old to mine down in these shafts. It's almost like slavery like sl- is bad. <laughs> no, no, no. That's just people outside of Star Wars talk. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. What I meant to say is it's it's bad if white men are enslaved. That's it. <laughs> Like this little 15-year-old. Yeah, we should give this guy his own murder vehicle. (laughs) Look, buddy, Kip, why don't you... You know what? Actually, you two, you aliens, you belong to Kip now. There we go. You're still a slave, but now they're your slaves, and the cycle continues, and everything is balanced. Uh, So we end our last chapter is Luke on Aeol Shaw dealing with Gantorus. Yeah, uh, we get a whole description of how it's really hard to sleep on A.L. Shaw because it doesn't get dark. Uh, there's just too much bright, glowing, murdery shit out there for there to really be a nighttime. And also there's constant geysers going off, so it's loud, too. Yeah. So Luke's just sitting there trying to get some sleep, and eventually Gantoris pops up and is like, Hello, dark man. It is time for your challenges. Yeah. And I mean, Luke's like, I can't leave. I've got to you know, convince this guy to be a Jedi. And now that I found the Gantoris, I can't just leave. I know that he's a little man in a boat now. (laughs) Uh, Right. Right. So I need, I I need to rub him continuously until he's willing to join me on my Jedi cause. Uh, so I've got to find his nubbin. (laughs) I got to go rub the Gantoris nubbin. If you know what I mean. 
And I think the audience does. It's weird that he hasn't yet. Because at some right? point, he's taken on a test to be like, oh, you're going to come with me down into this geyser. And he starts thinking, man, I haven't even, like, rubbed this dude's nub yet. <laughs> Right, and I think it's because he doesn't want to do it without permission, is basically the idea. But when, so, uh, spoiler alert, the end of this chapter is Gantoris being like, very well, Dark Man, I will go with you. I don't think you're the Dark Man. I will um, present to you my nub. Please rub away. <laughs> he doesn't say that, though. Luke just is like, oh, good, well, now that you're following my orders, nub rub. <laughs> da -da -da, nub rub. <laughs> uh it's it's weird that he doesn't just do it surreptitiously whenever he wants, but uh, it, he gets taken through a series of challenges. Challenges two. The first one, he has to pull Lycan out of an active geyser, and Gantoris tricks him into thinking that the geyser won't go off, but it will. I... This isn't a test. He tried to murder Luke. Like, <laughs> there's a difference between... <laughs> I want to test out your skills, so I will tell you, like, oh, this uh, geyser will explode in two minutes, and you have to get this bag full of lichen before it does so. That's a test. If you just say, hey, why don't you go down into this hole and pick some lichen out? Uh, I'll just let you know whenever you're done, and then you leave and wait for him to die. That's murder. That's attempted murder. <laughs> Yeah, both of these challenges are just attempted murder, but in Gantoris' defense, Luke did sell the whole Jedi training thing as like, hey, come with me and I'll introduce you to literally infinite power. So I, I guess Gantoris is like, oh, infinite power, huh? Well, let's see <laughs> if you can... Ultimate power! <laughs> let's see if you can survive the ultimate challenge, hot water. <laughs> hey, man, hot water, that shit is chaotic evil. No, I know, it's bad, it's bad shit. I wasn't being facetious. Uh, but Luke goes and collects Lycan for a while, and uh, then he finds out there's a geyser a-coming, and then he just uses a force jump to get out of the out of the geyser hole. Uh, but we do have to get a whole description of the geyser, or the uh, jump, where he's like, Luke had done this once before at Bespin, and once before as well, on Yoda's home of Dagobah. And, and also five times afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part where he's like, all right, list the movie references. It seems stupid if it's just the movie references. Also, five other times. <laughs> it's just, it wants to make this a very tense situation where it's like, oh no, Luke's too far down to be able to climb out. What will he do? And you're like, L Luke has the force. He can. He'll just force. I've seen. I've seen him jump. He can do it. <laughs> yeah. But it wants to. He'll be either like, force jump. Can or he? He'll either force jump or he'll divert the geyser explosion or something. He's Luke Skywalker. Right? It's not. This is not a. Luke Skywalker is not going to die in a coughing hole. <laughs> um, so he jumps out and yeah, I know. Haha, ha, I heard it too. Um, <clears throat> he jumps out and Gantoris is like, "Very well, another challenge still awaits you." Do do do, Dark Man. Yes, you your must final challenge. You must complete a series of carnival games without freaking out dramatically, Dark Man. <laughs> uh, so the the second test is they take him over to an area that is just a constant river of lava. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, uh, your next task is to walk across to the other side. And I'm impressed that they didn't immediately say, also, no force jumping. So, you know, because <laughs> I thought for sure he was going to be like, cool and boing. Hey, what up, idiots? Yeah. I mean, by the time they took the long way around to the other side, he'd just already be over there. He'd be like, I don't even need to explain how I did this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you dumb idiots. <laughs> but yeah, they don't they don't bother to be like, I know we just saw you jump 200 feet in the air and land safely uh you can't do that this time okay <laughs> i guess it's i guess it's all just inherent in the term walk i guess so like, no jumping he finds that he's like oh oh there it is there's a bunch of like actual hardened rock bits that make sort of stepping stones across this river ah but which ones are real rocks and which ones are floating platforms designed to trick you let's find out ken 
Mm. I'm sorry, that was an MXC reference. That probably is too uh, old for the room. The uh, room. Please. <laughs> you can get away with that if I can get away with a slum gullion reference, so it's fine. I've said slum gullion on at least one of our shows in the past, so <laughs> I know you can get away with that. <laughs> That's been tested. I'm just really surprised that my Dark Man joke didn't go anywhere. No, I'm not I'm not taking Dark Man. <laughs> We're not doing Dark Man jokes here. <laughs> yeah. Dark Man is above this shit. Oh hell yeah. I mean Gantoris looking down as Luke is stuck in that hole and he's like, die, Dark Man, die. <laughs> right. That's right. I can name a sequel to Dark Man. <laughs> well, good job. Thank you. Thank you for getting on board the Dark Man train. <laughs> I thought Han was on the Dark Man train. Hey, <laughs> that works I mean, on that too is many levels. A, I'm not, 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 not going to nope, say. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God. Okay. Uh, anyway, anyway, Luke tries to walk across the stones, and it turns out that the trap isn't the stones. The trap is that the lava is inhabited. By a lava dragon. <laughs> the trap is that the floor is lava, actually. <laughs> By the way, on Eel Shaw, some of our lava is darker and looks like rocks. <laughs> uh, no, it turns out that there's a fucking lava dragon. Yeah, and uh, I do like that when he attempts to attack it with the lightsaber, the scales that keep it safe from the lava are so reflective that it actually, like blasts and refracts the beam of the lightsaber like out and shoots little like blasts of lightsaber energy all over the place yeah yeah it's great this thing is made of like reflective silicon ultra armor and so it it it's very hard to damage with a lightsaber it's a perfect thing to throw at luke uh unfortunately even though the lightsaber shouldn't work it does it manages to take off one scale but that's all it takes for lava to come seeping right into the worm's body. Yeah, so the, the Han has to do that thing where he's... Or Han, excuse me. Luke has to do that thing where he's standing around looking for where the dragon's going to pop up next, waiting for the ambush. And then when it does pop up, he can tell immediately, he's like, oh no, that thing's dying. It's got lava yeah. all up in its business. Yeah, it, it dove under the lava when I hit it. And instead of, like, popping up to get me, it pops up and is thrashing because it is dying. Yeah, so he just sort of watches it die, uh, and then he turns around to keep walking to his to the next step in his platform journey, only to realize that the constant thrashing of the dragon has drowned all the platform stones. Yeah, so he's like, well, I've got to get across, so I guess I'll just fucking do it because I have the force and I'll just... Walk on lava, because who gives a shit? I'm Luke Skywalker. Fuck you. Yeah, you'd think you'd be like, well, I gotta do it, so I'll force jump like last time. <laughs> you know, like I did on Bespin, and then again at, at <laughs> Dagobah, and also other places. And also, just like an hour ago. <laughs> also, Eel Shaw. <laughs> oh. Well, he walks across the lake of lava by just using the force to keep the lava from touching his feet. Yeah, he just becomes lava Jesus and walks across. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's very nicely described. It's all like, oh, the lava wouldn't even dare to touch his force-attuned feet, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, eventually he gets across, and Gantoris doesn't even react, really. He just kind of goes, all right, you you won. You did all my challenge. At this point, I've, I've ca mentally cast him as Stephen Wright. <laughs> You've done all my challenges. I will go with you to training on Coruscant. Uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> Well, I tried to kill you twice and you didn't die, so I guess let's go. For your third challenge, you will stand still while I shoot at you with blasters. <laughs> Please close your eyes. <laughs> okay, well, are you going to walk away or something first? This is a challenge. Huh? No. And that's the end of the chapter, more or less. It's just him being like, I will go with you, and Luke being like, hell yeah. End of Sweet. chapter eight. Wait. So there you go. That's uh, that's pretty much what we've been up to. Yeah. In our in our powerful read through of this exciting material. Although I got to say the fact that Luke would still be like, 
yeah, I definitely want to train this guy. I'm like, you just had a dude attempt murder on you twice, and you don't think, maybe there's a little bit of dark side in there. Oh, I know, right? Where this guy, I guess it's because he's being fair, where he's like, well, I'm going to give you two challenges, and if you win, I'll do whatever. Uh, you did what you win, I'll do whatever. But both of the challenges were like secret murder. So you'd think this guy, maybe no. It's yeah, not like the like, list was. Go ahead. No, he, he presented you two challenges and then the twist was, that's not the challenge. The challenge is I'm going to try and kill you. Like that seems a little dark side. I'm not yeah, going to lie. At least a little dark side. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, Spoiler alert, I know what happens to Gantoris, so I don't want to go too far into this. But good news, it doesn't happen in this book, so oh, don't good. worry about it. Yeah. Because I don't okay. care about Gantoris, and I don't want to know any more about him. Oh, good. Well, I guess that means I'm not going to tell you about his series of lectures on the importance of dirt. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Gantoris' famous TED Talk about dirt. Mm-hmm. He was like, dirt is truly a fascinating subject, and in this lecture, I will attempt to elucidate you on the properties of this wonder soil, dirt. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this joke, so I'm done. Hey, John, guess what? Go what? We have bonus content. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, it's over at Patreon. Patreon.com slash System Mastery, and the Star Wars stuff is at the $2 level. You're goddamn right it is. You support us at that level. You unlock weekly Wikipedia deep dives from us where we go find some dumb garbage and talk to you about it and talk to each other about it. You also unlock the $1 level, which is bonus content for the System Mastery Show. So it's a fucking good deal is what it is. Yep, it certainly is. Right? And then there's other levels up above that, too, that you can get all kinds of great content at. I won't go into them now, but just know, they're amazing. They're so good. Oh, mm -hmm. they're very much worth it. You get a bunch of Discord benefits and junk like that too. There's so many cool things. All right, everybody. So that's pretty much all there is to say about this chap, this set of chapters. But we'll see you on the bonus content, and we'll also see you next week for more exciting expounded universe action. So until such time as then, I've been Elan Slees Bagiano, and I get all my death sticks brought to me by slaves. Thank you.